when I graduated in my, in my class uh, at my college, there was about a hundred of us that graduated. I'd say only 10 probably are still in the industry. You're listening to Art Heroes Podcast, the show to help you thrive as a digital artist. Tune in to learn how to transform your passion into a career. Get inspired by other kick-ass 2D and 3D artists and find out what it takes to be an art hero. Hello, hello, guys. This is Maria JD. I'm your host at Art Heroes Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. So today I'm meeting with Dallas Doan, who is an environment artist at Electronic Arts Canada. Dallas has been in the games industry for over a decade now, and he's been a part of multiple AAA ship titles, such as Plants vs. Zombie Garden Warfare 2 and FIFA and several other projects. So Dallas is actually the first environment artist to join us here at Art Heroes Podcast, and I'm pretty excited to learn a lot from him and hope you are too. Let's go. And we're now live. Dallas, thank you so much again for coming on the show. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, the pleasure is all mine, 100%. I already told you that you're the first environment artist to come to Art Heroes podcast. Yo, you're on the mission here. Yeah, no, it's 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 an honor to, yeah. uh, to come on board. Perfect. So let them just get going. Uh, Dallas, I know that uh, you're in Canada. I know that you work at EA at the moment and uh, you've been in the industry for over 10 years. It's a long time, huh? And, yeah, it's uh, a long time. <laughs> uh, can you tell me a little bit more just like what you do now and what, where did it all start and when? Um, so for me, I've always just had a passion for video games just growing up as a kid and um, at the time uh, finishing high school there wasn't really like it's not like today where there's like twitch streaming where you can just play games and and make a living like that was my dream growing up was like I want to just grow up and play games all day and just make money doing that but that just wasn't a thing back then so the next best thing was making video games so that's when I enrolled into um like a art like a video game college essentially for art and after that i worked at an indie studio for about six and a half years um like went up the went up the ranks started off just as a junior went up to to become an art lead and then decided it was time to start working in AAA. that's when i jumped over to ea and uh started off as an environment artist there and um I consider myself now pretty much a senior uh, environment artist, but I'm just I'm just an environment artist still, uh, just working away at EA. All right, perfect, very interesting. So, um, talk to me about more a little bit about um, you know like just being environment artist. What what does it mean and what is it like? What is it day to day and why environment artists? are so underrepresented at least in i don't know at least i get this impression are you guys all shy or what (laughs) (laughs) i i don't think we're we're shy i just think um we're because environment art like the the team is is pretty i mean i guess it depends on what 
what uh, studio you're in, but for the most part, your environment team is quite large versus like a character, like, like characters, right? Because you need to make a level takes so many people, right? Like when you play a video game, a triple A video game, especially there's probably for a level, there's probably at least 30 plus people who have touched that level to make it. Right. Like, it's not like a, um, uh, like a character team where you make, the main protagonist and the antagonist, you have like maybe two character artists just focusing on those characters. And then you have like a smaller team just making like the, the secondary and the tertiary characters, right? Um, in environment, there's just so many. So not all of us get the spotlight, I think, right? Like, and it's hard to spotlight somebody when um, an environment, there's 10 people that have helped you create that level, right? So... I think okay. it's just harder. It's harder to nail down this is the specific person that made that environment. Okay, so you're saying that environment artists are more of a, more of a teamwork versus character artists could sometimes be like star people. I think like... I think like team the teamwork is probably the same. It's just now the team size is bigger. Okay. Yes. Right. The 100%. team size is bigger, and and mm. because the team size is so much bigger. Um, it's just, it's, it's hard to spotlight one person. Okay. Okay. I see. All right. So let's just jump to the second part of my question. What do you guys do on, you know, on daily basis? Basically, what is it, what is it like being a character? Oh, sorry. <laughs> I see. This is me again. <laughs> An environment artist. I'm discriminating. I know. I <laughs> so, uh, environment artists on a daily basis, and I don't mean at EA. I mean just just you in know, general. Yeah, yeah. What do you guys make? What could be made? What does not? Let's say what environment art does not involve. So, what is it like? Right. So, uh, so environment. So, being an environment artist means that uh, typically you're you're creating the world right so um so you're creating all the the assets that goes into a level or a or an environment uh you're texturing it you're creating the materials um you're uh modeling all those things and then and then it goes even further than that uh so a little bit more senior uh, guys like myself will be the ones that kind of um help put those into the into the world and set dress and world build and we're the ones that works with the level design team so the level design focuses on making sure that the gameplay is fun right so so their their focus is how do we make our game fun and then usually they'll just give us like blocks like this is the space this is how big a space should be this is how small a space should be this mm -hmm. is how big the hallway should be um, if someone jumps off this area, they're going to die. If someone goes into this corridor, there's a secret, right? And then, so it's up to us to sit down with the design team to be like, okay, how do we dress this up and tell a story? Mm -hmm. um, so, so that's kind of where the more senior artists come in is we kind of help facilitate what the story is, uh, what the storytelling is. And then the more junior to intermediate, um, environment artists, they focus on just creating the assets usually for us. Okay, interesting. Um, yeah. So basically from creating a, the assets to telling the story, uh, what's the 
you know, what are the key differentiators? Because obviously um, decorating the space with the assets is one part of it. What is the other one? What else can you, can you do to make the game more fun? Yeah, so I mean, that, that's more of like a level design question, but I've had the opportunity now to work with level design and it's essentially just pacing, right? So depending on your game, Mm-hmm. If your game is um, like, for example, you had Justin who was like Fortnite, right? Um, so it's about, um, so this is just an example, but in Fortnite, they have like cities, mm-hmm. right? And then in between each kind of populated area, there's like just dead zones where yeah. it's like resting areas, right? Mm-hmm. So you need to be able to like, you can't just put everything all in one spot, right? You have oh, to kind of spread okay. it out right? You have to spread it out. And so it's kind of like, um, so to make things just more fun, you have to kind of change it. You have to change up the environments. You have to set the pacing for the players. Um, you can't tell stories in every single spot Okay. in your, in your, in your world, right? You want to let the players kind of, um, it's kind of like telling a story, right? You, You have a beginning where you like, you introduce this, this set new setting for example, right? And then you want to maybe add a little bit of mystery. And mm-hmm. then the players are now curious. Okay, now I want to explore this level and find out what it's all about. So you want to put little secrets and stuff here and there, disperse it around. Um, and then you always want to have that focus, the, the vocal point, right? So you have like maybe a temple, right? And you want to lead the players into the temple, mm-hmm. right? So it's, it's so much... Um, it's so much storytelling, so much kind of like art direction and all those things that you have to kind of think about. And you work with art directors and narrative teams and all that stuff um, to kind of make sure that everything's cohesive. Like it's such a huge oil machine to get it to, to all work together. And that's why companies like Naughty Dog um, who make like the last of us and uncharted and stuff like that, like, um, you know, they make such amazing stories and amazing worlds for people to get lost in. Um, so mm-hmm. I absolutely love this. Thank you so much for sharing. This is so interesting because uh, yeah, of course, storytelling makes all the sense and this is uh, storytelling with, uh, with the environment. Um, so um, help me understand that. Let's say we've got pacing where things are separated um, and we've got different, let's say, um, uh, types of like zones in the game. Um, so is there anything that uh, visually that an environment artist can decide or is there any like level of collaboration or basically it's like following a script or I don't know if you guys have storyboards or <laughs> yeah, something or something like it all, it all depends on your studio. Um, so for example, I'm sure, uh, like Naughty Dog, which Mm -hmm. is very story driven, like their game is like, it's, it's about the story. Um, I'm sure they have storyboard artists, um, quick blockouts of, you know, scripts and things like that. Right. Um, so it really all depends on Mm -hmm. first off the game that you're making and how big your studio is. Um, sometimes if you're like an indie studio, you don't like you an environment artist can do almost like, like their, their focus on everything. 
right? They, they, they do, they work with the art director directly just to um, set dress, figure out the story, figure out pacing. So um, yeah, it's, it all really depends. Um, but you definitely have to plan that stuff out because you don't want to spend all that time mm-hmm. making this level and this world to find mm-hmm. out that it is boring or yeah, of course. people didn't find it fun. So we do pro- so you do a lot of early prototyping and testing. Um, you get your testers to go in and give us feedback. Like mm-hmm. how, how did it play? Um, did it, did it accomplish the goal that art direction and that the world team and that the story team put together? Mm-hmm. Okay. Got it. Um, so Give me an example, like, what was your, what did you start with as an artist? Did you uh, start with uh, designing assets or, uh, or what was it like? That's a great question. Um, so when I first started, I was, I was just a junior. So I was given like, this is a club um, and we need to make uh, some decoration props. So like, mm bottles and uh, nice uh, <laughs> nightclub seats, uh, uh, tables, uh, a nice bar, you know, like, like that okay. was like essentially uh, my daddy day was just like, we have these, this environment and we just need props and assets to fill up these environments to sell the story. Okay. So that's how I started, started out uh, okay. in the industry. Yeah. And what is it now? Now, so recent, so the last game that I just finished was Plants vs. Zombies, and I was doing set dressing and world building. So I did that for majority of my time, and then I also helped out with uh, outsource management. So yeah. um, managing our uh, external partners and reviewing their work, uh, meeting up with art direction, and making sure that the external teams were hitting the mark. Uh, mm-hmm. and giving them feedback. Uh, so doing a little bit of like management as well. Um, and then more like, yeah. So that's what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like there is a little bit of, uh, <laughs> there is yeah. a, a little bit of difference from designing, uh, I don't know, like bottles to, um, yeah, I guess to designing the world. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what happens after about 10 years, right? Um, yeah, of course. If, yeah. And, it, it, and it's also, it's also personal as well. Like I know some artists who've been in the industry for 10 years and they like just making assets and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, like that is just their skill set. They don't want to manage. They don't want to, um, you know, deal with those things. They just want to work and make things and that's completely fine. And, you know, uh, but I, I felt like for me with my personality, um, I was, I, I was, good at also managing and i was good like i'm 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 a people person so um it kind of fit for me to also dabble in that as well yeah okay cool um but i love that excuse me there is the um the progression i mean you can definitely like there is space to grow and obviously in a huge team that's i guess you know not surprising yeah in in a big (laughs) team like you can imagine. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. So um, actually, um, I was wondering if uh, um, before we started the podcast, uh, I was wondering if uh, making props is a really boring job. Um, 
because uh, I don't know, like there are obviously like a lot of people that just <laughs> make assets. Um, so um, I don't know what's your take. Um, yeah. If yeah, I mean, I think I think it depends, right? Like sometimes you yeah like <laughs> like if when when you're a junior you're just so excited right to to enter the industry that if you're making uh, a megaphone right you know which is like not the most exciting asset but if that's what you're assigned you're just happy to to do it right like i remembered getting my first job and just being excited to to work and and make art for a living that you don't really like you're like you're just happy um, but then that wears off pretty quick after about like, after about a year, if you're just still uh, not, you know, you're not, you're, you're making, I don't know, like, like, like the same rock or you're making like a vase or something like that, then you might be kind of like, okay, I might need to, um, you know, up my skills and maybe I need to move on to a new project, move on to a new studio that's going to challenge me. Right. And that's mm -hmm. again, a personal thing mm -hmm. that you need to decide, um, you know, that you need to either move on or, um, or you're okay with it. Some people might be like, Hey, I'm getting paid well to make really boring, easy props. Yeah. It's, it's my nine to five and that's, that's it, awesome. Yeah. You know, go home. It was easy. So it, it really depends on, on the personality of the person. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, thanks for sharing this. I think this is, you know, also, um, also pretty interesting. So, um, uh, I wanted to move a little bit to the other aspect of it is, uh, uh, I guess, uh, learning all the stuff and a little bit of teaching all the stuff because I know that uh, um, you've got uh, a YouTube channel as well where you um, teach uh, environment artists how to, uh, how to start and how to get going. So what do you think are essentials for environment artists? Um, and, uh, you know, how to basically, uh, get started. Okay. Well, I think to, to get started, um, you just need a 3d software package, honestly. So, mm -hmm. uh, something like blender, which is free, uh, you know, just download it and just make, uh, just make some, some props and see if you even enjoy that. Right. Like, like some okay. people might get surprised that, Oh, like this is this is what it's like to to just be in 3D. Um, build a really nice chair. Build build some nice furniture. Um, like I I know that this happens a lot to to junior beginner 3D artists is they see like amazing artwork on ArtStation, like someone who makes a beautiful Ferrari or like a very nice car, and they're like, okay, well I'm gonna jump in. I'm I'm gonna become a vehicle artist or I'm gonna become in and I'm gonna make the nicest weapons. Um, not realizing that you kind of need fundamental skills first, right? You need to learn how the pipeline works. So like modeling, how to model efficiently, what all that even means, right? Like if you're a new person, you don't understand what that yeah, means. Yeah. Um, so you need to understand those things first. So it's best to start with simple assets, mm -hmm. um, get feedback. And I think that that's really important starting out as a new artist is get feedback from other artists, join uh, art communities that are out there. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that that's honestly just, it's like kind of like sketching or drawing, you know, mm -hmm. you just, you just need to get right into it. Um, but that's how I would start. Um, mm -hmm. and how I always encourage people who want to get into this industry is just download through, uh, download blender and just start mm -hmm. modeling. 
Okay, so um, on the other note, well, it would be helpful to know what do you think is the difference from uh, um, like an average environment artist uh, or like mediocre and somebody who like who's great, you know? Um, what do you think are the, the, the major differences? I think you can really tell who's an amazing artist just in general uh, by just their one, their their attention to detail, right? Like a mediocre artist, their work probably looks great, but then to get to the next level, it's seeing, it's like paying attention to all the little things and going and peeling, peeling the layers back. Like the first thing is like, what is the material made of, for example, right? Uh, what is the asset that you're building? Like, how does it function? Right. Sometimes, and even I come into and I run into this mistake sometimes too. Is I'll get a concept art, or um, I look at a reference, and I just kind of model what I see. Right. But like to be the next level, you need to think. Why do you think? Like, why is it built that way? You know, why is a handle or a hinge there? Um, if you're gonna put a metal material onto it, uh, what's the story behind it? Did it rust? Uh, is it, has it been used? Is it brand new? Um, has it been collecting dust? Is there, has, a, has hands touched it? Is there like the oil need, like the oiliness of your hands? Has it been placed on there? When you look at your keyboard, for example, or your, or your mouse, right? Like on, like on your computer, you'll start to notice imperfections and stuff like that, right? A, a mediocre artist might just start to add a little bit of those details, but the more senior and, and amazing artists will go all in in telling that story and and when someone looks at the presentation of it the renders they can look at the render and kind of they can guess what the story that they're that the artist is trying to tell um in the in the presentation of the final product i love that wow that is uh, i think this is very very complete and very very uh interesting um you know, I was just uh, digging in my head and uh, um, imagining um, kind of the bits and pieces of different games and movies as well, and thinking how that was uh, uh, presented. You know, and it's definitely not just like a flat plastic when you when you see a good asset from <clears throat> from a video game when it's something like really iconic. It's never like just like shiny stupid plastic that's right it's never just like some generic thing right yeah like they, 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 they put some love into it they, they put a story behind it and then they figure out how do they want to tell that story definitely definitely all right and um like you've said you said that you've worked uh with um outsourced teams so as of like, uh, um, can you talk to me a little bit about just like the whole, um, you know, trend in the industry? And uh, if you think, uh, if, if you agree that it's harder, way harder to manage external employees or like external teams rather than internal and uh, what, what's, what's going on with the quality in general? I don't know if there is like something general. Well, I think, um, so I've, I've done external management on three projects now. Uh, 
And I have to say that through my experience, it's gone better. Mm-hmm. Um, and it might just, it might, it could be from the experience that I've gathered and it, uh, I'm able to train uh, and help communicate a lot better. Um, I find that if you have an external partner, you really need to put yourself in their shoes. And I think that's the hardest thing for people to understand. Um, so when I went over to our external uh, partner's studio, right, I started to see all these issues that they had, but they wouldn't bring it up because they're so scared to tell us, right? Because they don't want to be a burden. They don't want to complain. They don't want to, to, to be a, you know, like they don't want to be a pain in the butt. Right. So they, so they, so they try and suck it up and they do, and they try to do the work and it opened up my eyes. Cause I was like, Oh my God, like they're scared of us criticizing them. Like, mm-hmm. like, and I, and I said to myself, is this how I'd want to be treated as an artist, like internally, right? Like if my art director mm-hmm. had an, had an, had an issue with, um, with an asset and how I did it, I would love to know his perspective and I would love to know to fix it. I don't want to be scared uh, and, and, and just nod my head. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And just, and just do what he says. I want to be able to ask questions, understand the reasoning behind why he didn't like it. Mm-hmm. Right. And for them, I felt like they were so mistreated, um, like in the past, that those behaviors kind of carried on. And so when I went over there and I experienced one, their, their working conditions, two, um, just a different culture, right? Like, like they have a very different culture compared to what we had. Um, and once I kind of understood that, I, I came back to Canada and to our team here and I, and I, and I told my team and my art direction and, and, and everybody like that we need to start thinking differently. We need to start putting ourselves into their shoes, understand their situation. And we need to realize that things are done differently. So we need to, we need to treat them, treat it differently and treat them as if they are our partners working with us. We can't treat them as, external mm-hmm. or outsourcing mm-hmm. they're an extension of our team and that's how we need to think about them yeah this is great this is so interesting and thank you for sharing this i think this is a great story um you know we've got we've got like such a variety of people listening to this podcast and i'm sure there are many and many that can relate on actually both sides on studio side and on external employee side uh, because there are many many people that are employed by outsourcing studios and they're still doing a great job it's just i don't think it means that they're inferior or anything it's just like our conditions are different our life situations are different not all not everybody is able to uh, get to all levels of stuff in their um in their like city or country right so so it's just a little bit a little bit different and uh, um can you um like talk to me a little bit you know about uh, uh, quality again, like in relation with, uh, I guess, outsourcing, and uh, if you if you see that it's gone up as well, uh, because you mentioned that the communication has improved and things improved, but like, um, but is there still like a little bit of lag, or it doesn't really uh, touch environment art? So, f- and for me personally, again, it comes back to 
looking back at ourselves, right? So if you hire on a junior artist, what is the expectation of a junior artist, right? So the first month, you can't expect them to be throwing out amazing work right away, right? So for an external, so for an external company that you're working with, your partners, when they first join the team, you have to treat them exactly the same. You can't expect them to know your tools and how you do your pipelines and your workflows. They're going to have tons of questions, right? So you can't look at that as, well, they don't know what they're doing. Why are they so slow? Well, they're slow because, again, they don't understand our pipeline. Second, the time zones are completely different. So, you know, we're not there with them, right? Like, again, it depends on who you're and where your external partners are. If they are in the same time zone, then it's a bit different. But for us, they were in a completely different time zone. When we're sleeping, they're starting work, right? So Mm -hmm. it's like, think about that as an artist ourselves. When we run into issues in our end, imagine if our art directors, our art leads were not available to help us, Mm -hmm. right? They're available the next day. Yeah. So, okay. right. So, so it's like, now we have to wait one full day to get that feedback to move on to our assets. Right. So, we, and, and I remembered when I first started, like we, there was this constant, um, Oh my God, there's, they're so slow. Like, and, but, but the reality is they're, they're not slow and they're not less talented than we are. It's just the communication t- took so long, takes longer to get to them. And then there's also a language barrier too that you have to break. There's that trust that you need to build. Like it's just things that you would face in an, with your internal team as well. So again, it's, it's um, trying to understand that I think is the biggest thing for anybody thinking about doing outsourcing or external partners. Yeah. Wow. This is huge. This is huge. Great. So, um, let me thanks again for this is, this is really, really, really interesting. I absolutely love this story. Um, and, uh, uh, I just wanted to go back a little bit to, um, you know, your personal, let's say art and projects and, uh, uh, to start with, I wanted to ask if you consider, uh, you know, environment artists, full-on artists per se because you know from uh creating uh props to creating artwork there is a little bit of a there is a little bit of a path so you can't make an artwork out of one prop um and it's also hard to put a video game world in an artwork like you know what i mean like more traditionally so um how far do you think you personally are do you consider yourself as an artist and how far do you think just in general environment art is from traditional art that's a that's a really good question um in my opinion art is it's just you know your form of expression and things that you create right so for me when i look at my own portfolio and my own personal projects. Um, I am not a good example, in my opinion, for someone today, if they were to hop onto my, my art station um, and look at my portfolio, I, I would never recommend an artist to do what I'm doing, which is just an asset, like 
I have a bunch of personal projects, which is just me working on a asset and making it as high quality as I possibly can. As an environment artist, you want to make like a small little scene, like a little small environment that showcases that you can do modeling, texturing, um, and a little bit of set dressing and lighting. Right. Um, but in terms of, of art, in my opinion, I think that that is art, you know, um, like, like a, a piece of weapon, like, like, for example, I love hard surface and weapon, uh, mm -hmm. modeling and weapon art. So for me lately, I've been pushing myself to, to learn and work on that, um, skill more. So I've been making more weapons and once I'm done with that weapon, again, I want to be able to tell a story with that weapon. How was it used? Um, you know, uh, that different materials and all those things, right? So to me, I can make that weapon and present it in an, an art, in an artistic way. Okay. Yeah, this is beautiful. Yeah. Eventually, it all comes down to storytelling. Yeah. I mean, in, in my opinion, I think anyone who adds a story to their work, it just adds the extra layer that most people might not even think about, mm -hmm. right? Um, and sometimes that just comes off as flat. So if my biggest encouragement to any of my students in the past and present is, what is the story that you're trying to tell? And anything that you're doing, just even adding a little bit of that storytelling inside your work is going to go a long way. And so what are your, you mentioned the weapon. Can you talk to me a little bit more about your personal projects? So um, like, how much time do you have for this and uh, what are you working on when you have time for personal projects? So now that my, my kids are a bit older, um, I do get my evenings uh, back a lot more versus when they were very young. Um, so, so I do get to spend um, an hour of, of time to, for me to just work on whatever it is that I want to improve on in my skills. So even before this podcast, I was, I was writing down like, what is my biggest weakness in terms of an, being an environment artist right now? And my biggest weakness is in substance designer and making materials, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like, like if my um, art lead tomorrow said, Hey Dallas, we need a concrete shader or material texture uh, done for next week. I, I probably would be able to get it done, but it wouldn't be my strongest work. Okay. Right. And then I said to myself, well, what, like, is that important to me? Like, is that the direction that I want to go into? Do I want to create shaders? And like Justin, who's the texture, who's like a texture artist, right? Like he focuses on making beautiful textures and, and all that stuff. And I said to myself, out of all the, the disciplines in being an environment artist, that is probably my least, like my least um, interested discipline. Mm -hmm. I prefer modeling and sculpting um, more than creating the actual materials itself. Uh, so I said to myself, okay, well then that's fine. Like don't, don't work on that then, right? Focus more on what it is that you do want to steer your career into. And that's hard surface and weapon modeling and things like that. 
And how do you tackle uh, new skills that you need to acquire? Uh, do you start from a personal project or you um, and like just go, you know, bash and like work in it or uh, what, like, what's your workflow for uh, attaining a new skill or strengthening uh, any of your skills? Like any student, you have to go and obtain that knowledge somewhere. So for me, it's either going on to Gumroad or CubeBrush or ArtStation or um, in the art communities and Discord uh, servers and stuff like that. I go and I find tutorials. Uh, typically, I'd like to purchase tutorials. Um, usually, I will YouTube it, right, and see if someone has, has made it already. Um, and then if it's coming from a very trusted source, like someone who has lots of experience and I trust that what they're saying um, is industry standard, then I will follow it. But if I am unsure if this is industry standard, then I will go and I'll purchase a tutorial, follow and watch the tutorial, write tons of notes. And that's something that anyone who knows me knows that I write so much notes, um, even at work. When I'm going into a meeting, I have a notepad and a pen. When I go into a review with my art directors, my career managers, everything, every single time, you'll see me with a notepad and a pen. Because I don't care how good your memory is, you're going to forget little details. And it's those little details that I want to make sure I write down and I don't forget. Okay. So yeah, so same thing. I would just write, watch a tutorial and then I would make a project out of it. You have to do the action to learn and up retain the information that you're actually trying to absorb, right? So, um, so for example, that uh, the weapon stuff, I was trying to learn Blender, right? Because I typically don't use Blender. I, I use Maya professionally. I was, I was like a junior artist. I was like, I'm going to make an, a weapon right away. And that's just not how it works. Like I went into Blender and I was trying to build like this beautiful uh, SIG MPX submachine gun and it failed miserably because I was fumbling with the simple tools. I was fumbling. And so I start, so I was like, okay, step back, make a more simpler asset, go through the entire pipeline, modeling, texturing, UVing. And then once you've figured out the pipeline, then jump into something more, you know, something more um, advanced. And so that's exactly what I did. Okay. So internalizing the knowledge by actually creating something for you is important. And of, of course, uh, that's actually also how I learned. And uh, I think it's uh, applicable across industries. Definitely. I mean, I think it's just in, in life in general. If you want to yeah. learn something, you need, well, you need to obtain the knowledge and then you need to practice it. Okay. And uh, what's your take on uh, publishing whips and early whips, especially like for, um, you know, environment, because with characters, it can take like a really long time to create a character or what's, what might seem like a really long time, but uh, it's probably uh, shorter for smaller assets. Um, so obviously it can also take time with the, with the world, like when you're creating the whole like picture. Um, but yeah, what would be yeah. the way and if it works it? For me, I think if you're learning, um, I think it's definitely worth throwing up whips because you want to get that feedback. 
right? Like even though it's a whip, like for example, I posted up a whip of my mach my machine gun that I that my submachine gun that I've been working on, and in the in the Discord channel that I'm in, there are a few weapon artists like that work at like Ubisoft and work at video game studios, and that is their job. They are a weapons artist. So when they saw me throw up a whip of my weapon, you know, I mean, obviously they said, hey man, good job and all that stuff, but they also gave me tons of valuable um, feedback on how to improve it, right? And, and, it, and if I didn't do that, I wouldn't have gotten that feedback and I wouldn't have learned from it. Right. So it's really, I think it's important. I mean, I wouldn't put up whips um, on like my portfolio mm -hmm. per se. Right. Like you don't want to show that to uh, potential employers. Right. Like yeah, they, sure. they, they don't, they don't really care about your whips. Uh, like, like people who want to uh, em employ you uh, or, or recruiters, they don't care about your whips. They, they want to know what does your final product look like. But if you're learning or if you're trying to improve your art, like, yeah, you should be showing your whips and trying to get feedback as, as much as possible um, so that you can uh, gain the knowledge that someone else has. Uh, yeah, sure. It's, um, I think it's also like feedback is essential. Like, especially as an artist, you sometimes just like, um, you don't see your own stuff the same way. Just like, 100%, 100%. Just like, so yours. Yeah, like, and, and you get a little bit attached to it too. And then, and then you, you've, you've kind of closed the blinds a bit and you're so narrow and you've like, you, you need that fresh, you need a fresh pair of eyes, right? To look at your yeah. work and see the small issues um, because you might not be able to see them anymore because you've just been staring at it for too long. Mm -hmm. Can you recommend any of your uh, favorite communities um, for environment artists to look into? Mm -hmm. So, you know, for feedback and just to, hang out and see what people are doing. Yeah, for sure. Um, so the very first one, and I recommend this one all the time, is uh, Dynasty. Uh, so the Dynasty has an a amazing Twitch live streaming channel. He also has a YouTube channel and he has a Discord channel. Uh, if you go to any of his YouTube or his uh, Twitch live stream channels, he'll have a Discord link on there. Mm -hmm. um, and he's, yeah, he works at Massive uh, in Sweden. He's a senior environment artist. He has this huge community. Um, so yeah, so that's definitely one that I highly recommend. Uh, another one that I recommend is uh, Flip Normals. Mm -hmm. uh, so they're also a very big YouTube channel as well. Um, so check them out. Uh, mm -hmm. And then there's one that recently just popped up and it's uh, 021 space. So 021 space, mm -hmm. uh, S-P-A-C-E, spelled out. Um, and that is where I got to meet a lot, or I met the, the weapons artist at Ubisoft and he was able to give me tons of feedback. Uh, but the community is growing, uh, and I've, I've been blown away by some of the work that I've been seeing in that, in the community ch uh, chat. So, yeah, cool. We'll definitely put the links in the show notes. So everybody guys who's listening to this now or, uh, watching this on uh, YouTube, uh, check out the links in the show notes, uh, um, can we get that? Yeah. For sure. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, just remind me, and then I'll. I'll, I'll sure. Yeah. 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 No. Me. Absolutely. We'll just uh, add some links in the show notes so that uh, you guys uh, could just uh, click through and uh, uh, check uh, those out. Wow, uh, Dallas, 
this has been so, so, so interesting. Thank you so much for uh, sharing everything. Um, is there anything that, uh, you know, when you talk to people or like talk to, you know, students, uh, what is like the type of advice that you always give just kind of, you know, like rounding things up on top of uh, everything that we've already said? Uh, what I like to remind them is make sure that one, you, you know why you're doing this, right? Like understand that, um, you're gonna, you have to work hard. Like it's not, you know, it's not, uh, you want to do it. And then you, you decide, you think that it's only going to take you a year and you're going to get into the industry. Like you have to really work hard. Um, it's really competitive. So, uh, you know, don't give up. Like I, I know a lot of people who, who, who hit a rut or they hit a wall and, and they just give up. And, uh, for me, it's like, if you're really passionate about this, you need to, it is hard and it is difficult. I, when I graduated in my, in my class, uh, at my college, there was about a hundred of us that graduated. I'd say only 10 probably are still in the industry. So that's a very low percentage. Um, and, uh, a lot of them went on to, to different careers and it's fine. Uh, but you know, it's really sad to see some of, uh, my good friends and stuff who they kind of fell, fell out of it or they, or they lost their, their job. And then they just said, no, I, 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 I give up because it's too hard. Um, so yeah, so just work hard. And if you, if you're really passionate about it, um, just keep going. Cool. Thanks so much, Dallas. Well, you know, it's, uh, it's been an incredible episode from uh, the story uh, telling perspective and it took a very different direction from what I expected, but it's, it's absolutely amazing. Thank you again for uh, sharing everything and uh, uh, we'll be in touch and uh, would love to have you again at some point in the future as well. I would love to come back on. Thank you so much for, uh, for doing this. And, and I, I really love the podcast. Like, honestly, uh, it's very, it's very high quality. Um, and there's not too many people doing stuff like this. So thank you so much for, for putting in the time to do this. All right. Oh my God. You're the first one to say this live. <laughs> I'm going to turn off the recording right on. <laughs> All right. Thanks again, Dallas. Ciao. Thank you so much. Bye now. Thank you guys for listening. I hope you did enjoy the episode. And if you have any suggestions, please drop them right here in the comment section of this video. And if you're listening this in the podcast form, you also have some show notes with the things that we mentioned on the podcast. Just make sure that you click right here in the description and it will get you just there. And a little announcement just before you leave. This week, we're finishing enrollments to the Superhero Challenge 2020 that we're hosting together with Pixelogic, Marmoset, Welcome Valencia, and AT Level. The challenge will be happening during the whole week, starting on the 25th of May. And I'm sure if you guys participate, you will not only compete for great prizes, but you will also learn a lot because there is a little dose of daily learning provided in the challenge so if you guys are into the characters and uh, if you want to learn a little bit more do make sure that you enroll for the challenge and i'll see you there as well because i'm also going to be there but besides that see you next week at the next podcast episode thanks again ciao 
Thanks for listening to Art Heroes Podcast. Check out www.artheroes.co for show notes, more interviews, and free tools made for you by our team of mentors. Tune in next week for more inspiration and keep up the great work, hero. Thank mm-hmm. you.